Hello, and welcome back to Mountain Talk. I'm Katie Myers, your host for our second half. The music you just heard was The Hangman's Reel, played by Wayne Henderson. Henderson's an incredibly accomplished musician and guitar maker. He's also a postal carrier. This year, he told folklorist Emily Hilliard some stories about his time carrying mail through rural Virginia. It was a sort of a hard job, and like every organization or anything, regulations got worse and stuff. And I know when uh, I first started, the postmaster was an old fellow. I never ever had but two. Mm. That that old man, uh, when I first started, Mr. Steve Phipps, was the coolest old dude you ever seen. <laughs> and he told me about, uh, he was a carrier, mail carrier, before he got to be the postmaster. And he did it on a horse. He, you know, he, did, he didn't want to hear no complaining from me about I got to ride, you know, in, in a cab where it was warm. <laughs> right, right. This is one interview of many by Hilliard, who's been hard at work collecting oral histories from mail carriers all over Appalachia. What a lot of people don't know is that he carried the mail for 30 years uh, while he was building guitars. He had one story about befriending or, you know, delivering mail to a new person in the community. And they got to talking and Wayne said he was a musician and the guy asked him, oh, well, like, do you have any gigs coming up? And Wayne said, well, I, I actually am playing at Carnegie Hall this weekend. And the customer just thought he was totally full of it and like went to his neighbor and said, can you believe this mail carrier? He thinks he's playing at Carnegie Hall next weekend. Like he's maybe a little like not right in the head. and. Uh, then the neighbor was like, well, I reckon he is. <laughs> and then the guy sort of learned that Wayne was a pretty famous musician and luthier. Because Wayne learned from somebody who delivered by horseback and he had a good story about delivering a Victrola. And said the only way he could carry that thing is to balance it up on the top of his saddle on that horse and said he carried that thing most of the route. and. Uh, and said when he got there, the saddle horn punched a hole in the side of the box and made a made a hole in the side of that Victrola and oh, said when he got there, the people wouldn't take it. They said, you have to send that back. It's tore up, you know. Hilliard received support from the Library of Congress through the Archie Green Occupational Folklore Fellowship. Today, you'll hear Hilliard talk to us a little bit about the stories she's heard over the course of the project the challenges and joys of the job, what's changed over time, and the ways rural mail carriers see their work as more than just a job, but really a community service. The project uh, documents the expressive culture and sort of lived experience of about 25 rural mail carriers in the Appalachian region. So um, Appalachian counties of Virginia, West Virginia, Tennessee, North Carolina, Kentucky, Ohio. Uh, North Carolina, um, where the first free rural delivery actually started in West Virginia in 1896. So um, has a long history in this area. And the project focuses particularly on uh, the role that rural mail carriers um, have as lifelines in their community um, and the rural uh, post office as sort of a community hub. And I'm also looking at uh, you know, especially how longtime carriers have witnessed changes in their communities over time uh, by driving the same route, you know, every day for 20 or 30 years. As far as how I got interested, 
I actually saw a Sesame Street clip when I was a kid of, um, and I think it's called the Appalachian Mailman. And he was delivering on horseback um, in rural Kentucky. And I sort of later learned that his name was Irving Pratt and he was from Knott County. Uh, he was also a, a blacksmith and one of the last mail carriers to deliver by horseback. And I believe there's a statue or a monument to him in Heinemann. I haven't visited yet, but hope to at some point. Um, and then several years ago when there was kind of a buzz about privatization of the postal service, I was reading and learning about, you know, the specific roles that rural mail carriers play in their communities and how much that privatization or elimination of rural routes or rural post offices would impact rural communities. Um, so I thought that someone, you know, this should be documented um, for the future uh, as, you know, hopefully kind of safeguard that, I hope this project kind of um, communicates the value of rural mail carriers in the region and generally in the United States. Basically, I was I got in touch with the Smithsonian Postal Museum, and they said that there was no real significant documentation of rural mail carriers post-World War II, which I found sort of surprising. And then also in this Library of Congress collection, the Occupational Folklife Collection, there has not been any um, postal workers documented so far. So it seemed like a good time to do this type of work. What's really cool about the, the guy in Hindman, I'm going to have to go visit that. I'm wondering just for the for the benefit of the audience, like could you give just a like, quick definition of like occupational folklore? What what is that? Sure. Yeah, so occupational folklore is essentially the expressive culture that's shared among a group of workers, generally in a specific occupation. So that could be, you know, specific language that's used on the job, like slang, um, terminology that other people who don't do that job would know about jokes, uh, superstitions, uh, pranks, um, attire, you know, what people wear on the job, stories that workers of a particular trade share with each other and then, you know, share with the outside about their work. Um, and listeners might be familiar with uh, Studs Terkel's book, Working. Um, so he was a radio um, host and oral historian in Chicago. And he has a book where he basically interviewed a hundred everyday people about, you know, your job. What do you like about your job? What do you do all day? What don't you like about your job? So it's kind of along those lines. And then there's like a specific field of occupational folklore. Um, so folklorists have done a lot of work, you know, there's been a lot done with um, minor um, occupational folklore, um, but this collection that this project will go in is all kinds of contemporary American workers. So from healthcare workers to uh, cheesemakers to doulas and midwives, it's kind of the whole spectrum of people who work today. Just, I was doing a lot of documentation of the West Virginia teacher strike and the expressive culture that the teachers were creating in their signs and you know what they wore to the rallies and picket lines um, and really seeing the way that they used this to kind of enforce their identity and their power as workers. Um, so I'm kind of interested in that, exploring that a little bit more and what does folklore have to do with 
organizing workers and workplaces. Um, so it's kind of a special area of interest these days. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to dive into talking about the interviews and, and what you've found. I mean, I think first off, it would be cool to hear a weird or interesting story that really sticks out to you or something you were told that was unexpected. I think like the things that have been unexpected are sort of the um, details of the job, um, how much wear and tear it puts on a vehicle because you're stopping and starting all the time and driving, you know, anywhere from 30 to 80 miles a day. And people who don't have right side drive cars, you know, they build consoles. So they sit in the middle and sort of drive with their left foot and left hand and, you know, deliver with the other hand like the repetitive motion injuries, all these kind of things I never thought about um, with the job. I knew sort of the big picture and thinking about how these um, mail carriers, you know, deliver important medications and know when mail piles up in a mailbox and that's maybe a sign that the elderly person who lives there has fallen down and needs to be checked on. You know, they're kind of these guardians of their communities, but I didn't really think about these daily details, you know, something that we heard with Amazon workers is where they go to the bathroom during the day in rural communities and, you know, people go in the woods or they have one corner store where they stop and get lunch and go to the bathroom. So all these kind of details. There's so many complicated things about this job. There's so many challenges and so much to, to love, I imagine. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'd love to hear first, what do people love about it? People really love this job. I mean, so many people have said, I would never, I would not do anything else, or um, I feel so lucky that, you know, as someone who only has a high school degree, I was able to have this, um, you know, really wonderful career and get good benefits and um, become prominent in my union and all that sort of thing. So people love this job. Um, and usually when I ask what people's favorite part about it, many say the people and usually that's customers but also co-workers too um, some people have co-workers at um, their post office and some people that they're like the only rural carrier carrying out of a rural office um, but yeah just really developing rapport with their customers and taking care of them um, pulling them out of uh, you know a ditch if their car goes into a ditch um, delivering medications, kind of learning, you know, knowing the family, um, being friends with the parents, and then the kids grow up and the kids have kids and, you know, being able to have this long relationship with families over time. Um, and I think that was especially true. I've talked to some people who delivered to Amish communities who really rely on the postal service. Um, and customers leaving them gifts in their mailbox. Um, People have gotten lap quilts and butter churns and homemade bread and candy and um, lots of ways that people show appreciation for their mail carriers. And then um, people also just talk about um, like being their own boss in a way. So just being out in the country, um, not having a boss looking over their shoulder, being in a beautiful place. A lot of people talk about the scenery and how just incredible it is. Um, listening to the radio, kind of being on your own schedule. Um, people really love that part. Um, and then I assume you're going to ask about 
um, negatives. Um, well, I think definitely on the smaller end of things, just like the repetitive motion, um, it can be really hard on um, bodies, um, a lot of rotator cuff injuries, that sort of thing. Um, people really, you know, have trouble with the weather, ice and snow. Um, but I think overall, most people I've talked to um, just kind of cite the changes over time um, in the job. So as the technology of their scanners have advanced, um, they are feeling increasingly monitored. Um, so the scanners now know when you back up, um, when you stop for longer than 10 minutes, um, that your postmaster gets alerted. So people who are used to um, chatting with their customers now feel like they have to kind of rush and um, worry that they're being perceived as rude by their customers because their customers don't necessarily know why they can't stop and talk like they used to. Um, and people kind of feel that the Postal Service is um, trying to do away with rural carriers and replacing those salary benefit jobs with um, highway contractor jobs, um, which don't get benefits. So there's sort of questions about the long-term viability. You know, can people really make a living doing this job anymore? Um, so yeah, mostly it's about the, um, the kind of feeling monitored um, automation people talk about, but sometimes that has pluses too. Um, a lot of people who have um, carried for a long time knew when the mail wasn't pre-sorted, so they would have to do all the sorting when it came in. And now they have what they call delivery point sequencing, so the mail comes pre-sorted. Um, so that saves them a lot of time and something that most people appreciate. Um, but yeah, with the monitoring aspect, um, another you know sort of part of that is they aren't paid hourly. Like city mail carriers are usually paid hourly, but rural mail carriers are on an evaluated system. So it's kind of an average of how long your route takes. So maybe on a light mail day, it will take seven hours. During Christmas, it would take like 11 hours, but you're always getting paid for say eight hours. And so in their opinion, it doesn't matter if they stop and talk to a customer for 15 minutes because it's like, they're not getting paid extra for that time. Um, so they don't understand why there's this kind of pressure to get the job done um, very quickly. And a lot of people talk about being part of the service of the US Postal Service and the USPS moving more towards like a business um, and not providing the service so much that it used to. With rural carriers, a lot of times they are serving people who are homebound and can't get to the um, post office. And so they are delivering medications and supplies and, um, you know, rural communities are further out from those services. So um, that in particular is really important. Um, also just kind of the, the life of a rural community that rural uh, carriers are invested in. So a lot of people talking about um, if somebody's cows are out, they'll stop and, you know, help um, corral the cows back into the, the gate and um, knowing when a dog, you know, you know, they know whose dog it is if a dog is loose. 
um, a lot of people have grown up in the communities they serve. And, um, you know, someone also talked about um, taking care of a kid when he was dropped off and his parents weren't home as sort you know, sort of a surprise. Um, and yeah, there was one particular story that stood out, um, a woman in um, kind of outside of Bowling Green, so sort of edge of um, the Appalachian region, but she was talking about, she, there was a family that had moved away and she knew that there was another um, house on her route that they were um, kin to. And um, she got a letter for this family that no longer lived there and knew that it was a family member. So she delivered it to the, the family member and said, I got this. I don't have a new address for them because they had moved away years and years ago. And it turned out to be, um, you know, one of their family members who was in a hospital in um, Louisville and was an Alzheimer's patient. And she was writing a letter to her parents, their old address, and her parents were no longer alive. And she was writing, you know, they're treating me so well at this hospital in Louisville, I'll be, I should be back home soon. And it was this really like incredible letter. That letter would have never gotten to the family had this rural carrier not known, you know, of the familial relationships in the, you know, community she serves. So, um, yeah, I think that is really important. And a lot of these, you know, carriers carry the same route for 20, 30 years and know about those relationships and really take care of people. I really come to think of them as care workers and like most care workers, there are some things they are paid for and some things they aren't. Um, but those things that they're not paid for are you know, important or kind of inherent to the viability of these communities or the viability of their job. It's one of those kind of contradictions of, um, of work in the society. Um, so that really stands out. Um, and I think people, you know, a lot of people I've talked to are, are active, they're supporters of the union, they're in the union, and many are active and passionate about it. Um, and they haven't really talked about um, changes in that per se, but they do note that uh, interest in the union seems to be dwindling. Um, and there used to be a lot more attendance at meetings and that has gone away. And maybe it is because of, um, because it doesn't seem as viable as like a long-term career job as it used to be. So, um, you know, why would people invest um, that time when they're not getting paid for it if it doesn't seem like they're going to be in a job long-term? Um, so I think that's one part of it. Uh, there has been some actually um, positive movements just on the legislative level. So, uh, I think last month they passed the Postal Service Reform Act. Um, there was one in the 70s and this is a new one. Um, but part of the issue with the Postal Service, you know, that was coming up in all those articles and arguments for privatization was that there was a mandate that the Postal Service had to pay um, like pre-fund um, retirees healthcare 75 years into the future. So this could be people that weren't even born yet the Postal Service had to pay for their retirement. And this no, new Postal Service Act 
repeals that mandate, which many saw as kind of a move to privatize or kind of um, bankrupt the Postal Service. So that's a positive um, that uh, a lot of these carriers talk about. So now um, they no longer have to pre-fund retirees healthcare and they get um, enrolled in Medicaid um, or Medicare. But um, yeah, so that that is a plus. Um, but uh, I think generally people talk about um, just, is this really a, a career job the way it used to be because of those changes in um, automation and monitoring and just this pressure to get your job done and not, um, you know, take time to deliver with care or chat with your customers. Um, and people see that as, like I said, a movement more towards a, a business and you're providing a product rather than you're providing a service. Um, so I think those are the major, um, major concerns that people talk about. I usually ask, how has the area on your route changed over time? You know, since you started working, um, people have talked about, you know, on the plus side of things, um, this was a carrier in Pikeville, the road's getting better. And there was a lot of coal trucks on the road when he started in the seventies. And then there was kind of a, I think with coal severance tax, they, you know, laid down asphalt and improved roads. So it was made it easier for him to do his job when he was going like up mountains and into hollers and that sort of thing. It's like development, but also population loss. So farmland turning into um, subdivisions. And, you know, one carrier said, I see a farm um, being sold and I just, I know it's going to turn into a subdivision. And then they have to deliver to the subdivision and it adds, you know, might impact their route. And, you know, they get more boxes added and usually they get paid more for that, but it does change their work. Someone kind of poetically talked about uh, watching the decay of a cement block building <laughs> over time, um, you know, just for 10 years on his route, seeing this building every day kind of be, being overtaken by brambles. And then, you know, some changes in wildlife, uh, what they see or um, changes in weather. I mean, people definitely talk about not quite getting as cold as it used to, um, not as much snow. There used to be a lot, you know, snow piled up to the boxes from basically December through March and that not happening anymore. There being more of like a one or two big snows a year. Um, and people in some ways like that <laughs> because it makes their job a little easier. Um, but yeah, you know, just thinking about driving the same route of 50 miles every day and being able to witness those small changes over time. Um, you know, in Virginia, around Grayson Highlands State Park, people definitely talk about, um, you know, wealthier people moving in and building vacation homes, that sort of thing. So it's kind of varied across the region, but for the most part, every carrier has some kind of change that they've witnessed over time. This was one of the carriers who delivers to an Amish community and she has really become close with a lot of um, her Amish customers. She said, you know, these communities, the mail is a highlight of their day, it's, you know, where they get their news and their supplies and that sort of thing. 
And one thing I thought was very sweet, she said, I can tell when like two young people start courting because there'll be letters like almost every day back and forth between them. And usually both of the people are on their route um, or on her route. And um, they'll sort of be running to the mailbox with a letter and, um, you know, so she'll get it in time. And I don't know if she's really supposed to do this, but she said that sometimes she'll just deliver it the same day because it's, you know, essentially just up the road without sending it through the, you know, the postal service um, to get like time stamped. Um, she's like, it has a stamp on it, but you know, if it's just going up the road, I'll just drop it off the same day so they can get their love letter. Um, I thought that was really a really wonderful story. I guess another thing that I haven't talked about um, is that people talk about changes in mail volume over time. Um, and definitely those who have delivered for a long time say our, um, our letters are way down, like first class mail. Obviously, people don't send as much uh, of that anymore. And people pay bills online. Um, you know, not everyone, a lot of elderly folks still pay through the mail. Um, but the package volume has just increased, um, especially during COVID. And um, that is something that really changes their jobs because they do have to get out and deliver, um, you know, to the door. And um, they say rain, sleet, I think it's rain, sleet, snow, or wind. That's not quite right. But they have some kind of slogan. They talk about um, basically saying they deliver in all kinds of weather. So bringing packages to the door, they know some times where people like to have it delivered to the back door. Some people like have it put it, have them put it in an unlocked car or something like that. Um, but that has really kind of impacted the job. And people just say, you know, they have these contracts with like Amazon and FedEx and UPS um, that these carriers will deliver the last mile. In their opinion, you know, Amazon could never have, you know, there's so much data required to make that happen. And the Amazon trucks can't get up a lot of these places that, um, you know, a personal vehicle that rural carriers drive have. Um, and so they just believe in the importance of rural mail um, for that because it just could not happen if it were privatized. I think a lot of these companies would not feel that it was um, worth their money to deliver to a lot of these rural communities. I wanted to ask you just like what your plans are for this project and also if you're still looking for um, interviews. All of the interviews and photos and I took some videos, um, those will go to the Library of Congress and they will be accessible there um, at some point in the future. Um, and then I've been talking to the Smithsonian Postal Museum about maybe doing a talk there and um, potentially working on an exhibit um, drawing from the fieldwork, which would be very cool. Um, I also think about, you know, is there a book or an article or photo essay here? Um, there's also a lot of great audio and um, kind of people saying similar um, things or related things. And I think it could make for a cool audio documentary. So maybe there's something there as well. I have about, um, I think I'll have 24 after this interview and I have 25. I think I would be 
particularly interested in talking to rural mail carriers of color in the region um, and have talked to a few and just kind of um, the experiences of, of being in a largely white community and, you know, women and people of color have talked about, you know, some safety issues. I'd be interested, you know, to talk to a few other um, carriers and, you know, those who have worked on the job for a long time, those who knew people who carried on horseback or if any still, you know, uh, there are any still around who delivered on horseback. Um, that would be very cool to, to talk to them too. Yeah, thanks so much for your interest. Thank you. That's it for today's Mountain Talk here on WMMT. We've been listening to Emily Hilliard, who works as program officer for folk and traditional arts at Mid-Atlantic Arts. She's also working on a new book about folklore in Appalachia, which will be published by the University of North Carolina Press in November 2022. Today, we heard Hilliard discuss her efforts to document and preserve histories of rural mail carriers all over Appalachia. If you're a mail carrier and you're interested in participating, you can reach out to her at emilyhilliard at gmail.com. Music was Hangman's Reel by Wayne Henderson. From all of us here at Mountain Community Radio, thanks for listening. This story is a part of the America Amplified Initiative. America Amplified is a national public media collaboration focused on community engagement reporting.